I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's not about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align Podcast. Welcome back to Line Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander, and today's phenomenal episode got to have my friend, dear friend, Max Lugavere, also New York Times bestselling author, Max Lugavere, of The Genius Foods. It's not called The Genius Foods, just Genius Foods. Anyway, it's a really great book. Um, he is a regular presenter, communicator, speaker, teacher, prophet on The Doctors and Dr. Oz and all the major TV shows. And he is considered a expert around the globe on all things nutrition. And I'm really grateful to have had him on this program today for the, I think, second time. Um, this conversation, we get into balancing your hormones. We get into dealing with trauma and uh, tragedy in our lives um, and just really Really great conversation. I really appreciate it. Uh, it was recorded in my sauna here at my place in Santa Monica, and I'm grateful to get to share it with you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to the website alignpodcast.com, A L I G N podcast.com. If you feel drawn to that URL, you can start the five day movement challenge. People have been digging that. It's five simple videos breaking down fundamentals of what y'all need to move well in your life on a daily basis. Uh, I want to thank y'all as well. I'm saying y'all a lot. Y'all. Silly word. Um, for reviews on iTunes, greatly appreciate that. I read each and every one, and it uh, means a lot. It also helps boost the algorithmic God appreciative score for this, this program. Uh, I want to thank also Ned for supporting this podcast. Ned is a really rad company that is serving up the highest quality CBD oils. Um, absolutely some of the highest quality CBD oils that I've come across. And it's all single source. It's all cold extracted. The culture and the community in creating it are all really tremendous human beings. And I trust the stuff. I dig it. Um, it's helpful with sleep and it's helpful with inflammation and all the good things. So you can get yourself a 15% discount if you go to helloned.com slash Align. HelloNed.com slash Align. Uh, highly recommend that stuff. And I think that's it. I hope you guys devour this conversation. Thank you so much to the people that have gotten started with the Align Method Online program. That is so cool of you guys. And I appreciate the great feedback coming back from that. And it's a free trial. Seven days. Free. You just start and just see what you think. And uh, if you don't dig it, then you just don't continue. No big deal. Um, all right, here we go. Back to the shizzy. If you got any questions, comments, hit us up at Align Podcast on the gram. And hope you have a beautiful day. Thanks for tuning in. Here we go. Pow. Align Podcast. All right. Does it sound like it's happening? Can you say some shit? Hey, hey, hey. Some shit. Yeah, that's good. We're in it. Yeah. I could probably turn the mics up on that side, but that's okay. It's, it's all good. I think it sounds good, yeah. We're good. All right. So I got. So we're in the sauna. It's 115 degrees. I had to finagle you to get in here. I don't know why. You probably assumed I was going to try to have sex with you afterwards. Oh. <laughs> I, won't, I won't include that part. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> so why do I put salt in the water? You got any sense of that? Electrolytes, baby. What do we do about with those electrolytes? You lose sodium. By the boatload. That's a scientific term. Huh. And um, yeah, it just uh, it helps replace the electrolytes lost. And I'm assuming you put in like a pretty high quality salt. Yeah. 
which includes other trace minerals. What kind of salt should be, people be looking for? I don't know if that's like a speciality of yours. Hopefully I'm not putting you on the spot and you're like, dude. No, no, no. salt guy. Well, I do know that many sea salts around the world have been uh, tested and have been found to be contaminated with microplastics because our oceans are becoming incredibly, or I should say increasingly polluted. And uh, I don't like the uber processed like table salts usually, even though they have iodine in them, which is good. We need iodine. A lot of them... Uh, contain, you know, anti-caking agents. Some contain aluminum, mm. which uh, you don't want to consume, you know, excessive amounts of aluminum. Um, so I like uh, Real Salt, which is a company out of Utah. And I like them because their salt comes from an underground dried up lake, essentially, that is pristine. It's been untouched by pollution and they basically just mine the salt. And I have no financial, like, affiliation with uh, with redmond but yeah they produce this real salt stuff which i like mm. and i do that too i put salt in my in my water before i hit the sauna what about uh like iodized and like all those terms is there anything that people should be looking for as far as no i mean the thing is like salt like many of our packaged processed foods has become enriched because of the widespread prevalence of nutrient deficiencies in this country but if you're eating foods that are rich in iodine naturally, then you're not going to need to consume iodized salt. The problem is when you're on the standard American diet, there's not only very little iodine, which is essential, but there's little, you know, I mean, our, our nutrients have gone MIA. And so, you know, packaged wheat products are fortified with folic acid and all these synthetic vitamins and stuff. So what I choose to do and what I implore listeners to do is to eat a nutrient dense diet that is naturally going to provide nutrients like iodine, the natural form of, of folate, um, cause folic acid is, is always going to be synthetic. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, eggs are rich in iodine. Turkey is rich in iodine. Um, sea vegetables, kelp, kelp is like the top known source of iodine and the different colors of the salts and such like the reds and the pinks and the, yeah, that's black. just just a reflection of mineral content, you know. Um, so probably get like a variety of different colors, or or is it yeah. that's not not so relevant? You think? I mean, I don't choose salt for color, but the more natural salts are going to have have you know different colors in them. You're going to see some grays. You're going to see some pinks. Right. I don't know what color is you know what minerals are responsible for what color, but um, yeah, I mean Himalayan pink salt is decent. You're going to get, you know, a non-trivial amount of other nutrients that you need in those salts. You know, I mean, salt is not going to be a replacement for uh, getting selenium, for example, in your diet or getting uh, potassium or, you know, zinc, for example. But um, but it's just more complete. It's a more complete mineral profile. What about comparing salt to like an electrolyte supplement? Are you, I like some you... of those. Yeah. I mean... I, what have I, I had this woman on my podcast recently who created a, a ready to drink sports supplement, uh, uh, electrolyte ready to drink beverage called halo sport, which, um, is basically like an electrolyte drink. It's got higher levels of sodium. Um, it's got a little bit of magnesium. It doesn't have all the fake shit that, you know, the Gatorades of the world have. So I like those. Hmm. Um, but, you know, I think, I think in general, you, it's helpful to know when you really need to replace your electrolytes. Profuse sweating, 
Um, you know, most people, I'm not a huge sweater when I go to the gym, but when I use a sauna, I mean, I'm using a sauna in part because I want to sweat profusely because right. it helps your body purge some of the toxins that we accumulate. Um, so that's when I'm thinking about like how I'm going to replace the, the electrolytes after a, you know, just like a half an hour high intensity interval training workout at the gym. I'm not thinking about electrolytes after, you know, cause at that point food is fine. Right. But, um, but yeah. I'm asking this selfishly because there's the editor had me there's specific things. So in the morning I recommend because it's something I do and a lot of people recommend doing like uh, water and then adding some some sea salt and then some lemon. And then I'm kind of curious about like apple cider vinegar hmm. as well. Like I do that. Or do you think that it doesn't you provide anything? doesn't provide electrolytes, but no, no, no. For other other purposes. Yeah. I mean, well, the thing is, so I was going to say there are certain things that you do that act as a diuretic. So if you drink a lot of coffee, you're going to find yourself peeing more. You lose sodium through your urine. If you are on certain actually SSRI drugs, they uh, increase sodium depletion. Um, ketogenic diets, you start to require more sodium because insulin basically, which is reduced on a ketogenic diet, helps your body hold on to sodium. So if you do a very low carb diet, it helps to replace. You just, you're not holding on to sodium as efficiently, mm. um, which is uh, important. I think a lot of people, people forget that sodium is a nutrient. And salt is the primary vehicle by which we get uh, sodium in our diets. You know, there, there used to be salt licks. Salt licks were these like valuable things for animals. And, mm. and um, it was actually a prized nutrient. Like the word salary actually derives from sodium, from salt. Right. You're not worth your salt. You're not worth your salt. Yeah. Right. So it's just become another one of these things that has been perhaps wrongfully demonized over the past couple of of uh of decades what about lemons and scurvy and all that stuff no not scurvy so much but just in relation to like old history nutritional stories what about the value in lemons day to day there's is there something like lemons good lemon water in the morning you think um, that's a relevant thing is what i'm asking not super ah yeah <laughs> cut it out uh i mean don't cut ah. it out if you enjoy it it's i like it it provides vitamin c what about it's alkaline the whole alkaline thing bullshit Ah, oh, yeah. shoot. Sorry. You, de- and you definitely don't want to drink alkaline water around meals because you need that stomach acid. Oh, good point. Hydrochloric acid helps you absorb you know, <laughs> numerous vitamins, minerals. It keeps, uh, it prevents, it can p- help prevent bacterial overgrowth in the small intestine. You do not want to dilute your stomach acid. Mm. Yeah. But doesn't, so, so what is that with, these are very novice, silly questions. I apologize. Um, but, you know, so if you're, what is it called when the, with the, the citrus, um, cooks the fish. Come on. Like, you know what this is I mean, I know ceviche. Yeah, ceviche. Yeah. So that's like helping break the fish down. Yeah. So it's like that seems like it's helping with digestion in a sense, or or not so much at all. But then it's alkaline as well, because the so the initial well, lemon le- is acidic, but then the ash is what it's called once it like gets processed by your system is quite alkaline. Yeah. I might be confusing. I, l- I like right I like now. ceviche. <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> I really like, I li- and I like Peruvian food, which is where they, they really know how to make a good ceviche. All right. What is your, what is, <laughs> <laughs> ceviche is, is the bomb. Do you recommend lemons for people? Yeah, lemon's great. <laughs> lemon's great. I like to uh, put some in water because I like the flavor. I like to put it in my salads. I think it makes a great, super light salad dressing. Yeah. Um, yeah, lemon's good. I have a tendency, I like to kind of chew on lemons and limes, which is not good for you. can destroy your tooth enamel. Yeah. 
I like to um, kind of avoid that stuff. I, I like to protect my, my tooth enamel, especially because I don't use uh, fluoride in my toothpaste. Yeah, right. So straw in it on that lemon juice. Yeah. So how has your perspective changed on the world since your book's been all successful and stuff? Have you, have you noticed a shift in your personality? Have you noticed a shift in your perspective on things in general? Your once. I definitely feel like I... Uh, I feel like I learned a lot about nutrition and it's, it's a constant journey, right? So I'm, I try to all, I'm always willing to challenge my beliefs, even if they are things that are documented and out in the world in my book, genius foods, for example. But, um, since writing the book and since, since having genius foods come out, I've become a lot more interested in other aspects of, uh, you know, of what I would call, uh, quote unquote genius lifestyle, you know? So everything from cold exposure to sitting in saunas, I've become really interested in, if you guys are hearing that, the, uh, sirens in the background, it's cause we're in LA. I don't think they'll hear it. No, maybe a little bit. Oh. It's fine. Um, I have been, become really interested in, um, t environmental toxins, like, th like compounds in the environment that are uh, not good for you, that the body has, you know, a capacity to cope with, but have, but have become increased due to the modern sort of milieu, you know, plastics, for example, um, heavy metal exposures and things like that. Um, I, uh, I think nutrition is like a huge part of it. And we can like, you know, do a, we can totally go down a rabbit hole talking about nutrition and, and my thoughts there, but nutrition is like one part of the, the equation. The thing is you can be doing everything right when it comes to nutrition, but we live in a world where it's sort of like a constant onslaught. We're just faced, we're inundated with, uh, toxic exposures, whether, whether it's through the air, the environment, or even, you know, when we're walking on the street or even in our own homes, like our house dust is contaminated with numerous, uh, hormone disrupting chemicals and, and heavy metals and you name it. So, I've just become, I guess, a little bit more concerned about that. I've been doing a bit of reading on that stuff. What should, what's some low-hanging fruit with, with like house dust and things like that? that like, what can people actually access and change, shift in their own home without just becoming like a hypochondriac? Yeah. I mean, one of the most, one of the, I think, most important things is to make sure that, um, you know, if you're buying furniture, you're buying it without flame retardants. Mm. Uh, flame retardants basically are able to get, come off of the furniture and, help form the dust that we see in our apartment. So dust is not inert. It's not, um, I don't know where most people think that dust comes from, but it comes from, it's either sloughed off of our plastic products or, or skin. Uh, some of it's skin. Certainly some of it's skin. All, I thought dust was all just a bunch of skin. It's not all skin. God, I'm so misinformed. House dust is a major source of exposure for, um, flame retardant chemicals for heavy metals. If you live in a, a home that's been built, prior to 1978, um, the dust in your house is likely contaminated with, uh, you know, microscopic particles of, of lead based paint, which was used very frequently before 1978, before they realized that lead, that there was no safe blood level of lead hmm. and that it, it creates, you know, cognitive problems in children. So, um, yeah, so lead based paint, if you live in an older house, um, what else? There's a lot. There's bisphenol A and there's phthalates. Filters for the houses? Yeah, I'm a believer in... I just keep my doors open all the time and my yeah, windows open all the time. That's and good. I have plants everywhere. What they're are the best filters, from my understanding. There's that NASA study where they, they measured like, like, I think it was like 
I don't know how many, 20 different common hmm. house plants. And they found a lot of them to be more effective than like most any filter that was on the market. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I use a, I use a HEPA filter. Um, it's, it's funny though, because like living in Los Angeles, you would assume that the outside air is dirtier than the home air and the home air, hmm. your home air is like your home. Right. But actually it's a major, it's like the, the primary source of expo- exposure for many of these chemicals and people that are, um, you know, that spend more time in the house, uh, as well as infants and pets are at the highest risk of exposure, which Mm -hmm. is like kind of tragic because they're the most vulnerable to the detrimental effects of exposure. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, like our, our electronics, um, are able to, uh, slough off particles of, of phthalates and bisphenols, which are endocrine disrupting plasticizer chemicals. Um, and we breathe them in. So it's just, uh, it's problematic. I'm not, I try and I'm not a hypochondriac, but I've, what I've done is I've tried to basically minimize my exposure to these, to these chemicals because so frequently these chemicals are, are put industrial compounds are put into these products and they're sort of assumed to be innocent until proven guilty, right? Like the yeah. justice system, that's a good thing for a justice system, but for these potentially harmful chemicals, I think that, um, they, it's it's a it's actually the wrong approach to take. It's the wrong attitude to, to, to take. And we have numerous instances throughout history where um, these industrial chemicals have been put into the food supply or put into the into the market, only later to be uh, revealed as damaging. So, like asbestos-based building insulation is a perfect example of that. We already talked about lead-based paint, partially hydrogenated oils. We now know after they had been on supermarket shelves for decades that there's no safe level of trans fat consumption. So I mean, just imagine hmm. all the other chemicals that like, you know, that we have yet. And I'm not, uh, what's the word? Like, I'm not like afraid of, I'm not like one of those person that people that's like, you know, if you can't pronounce it, you know, it's dangerous. I'm not, yeah. I'm not like that. Like if you were to break like a blueberry apart. Xenophobia. Xen- yeah. Like, something. Yeah. I guess that's the word. Leave your house. I yeah. guess in this case, you can't even your fucking house. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you're scared. To, you're scared. No. <laughs> no, 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 definitely not. But I think knowledge is power, right? And so there are kind of like the, I like to triage my, my approach and my anxieties ultimately. And, um, you know, the most common ones I think are the, are the, you know, incidentally the easiest to look out for and to, and to minimize your exposure. I wonder to. how much of this stuff is kind of like germ theory versus like terrain theory. Like the idea mm-hmm. of like the bacteria is going to kill you, but then there's also this whole other aspect of, you know, what's the terrain that the bacteria is interacting with, you know, so how can you, what are some things that you can do even maybe from the way that you're describing it now, like psychologically, to put yourself in in a, in a place where you're not so susceptible to becoming sick by your environment. Yeah. Is there, have you ever thought about like, like, cause living in these world, like steeping in those worlds where everyone's just like, essentially you can figure out some reason that the sun is killing us for sure. Um, you can figure out some reason, like ev- everything you can break it down why it's killing you. If that's the perspective that you go into the world, you know, placebo and nocebo, they're legit. Yeah. No, it's a good point. I mean, the thing is like our bodies are most of the time our bodies detox on autopilot. You know, we don't have to do much. Um, and in a perfect world, we wouldn't have to do anything. Right. But it's about, it's about, it's, it's sort of like a scale, right? Like our bodies have a certain capacity to detox and to provide antioxidant protection against these compounds, heavy metals, plasticizers, you name it. Um, but because the modern world basically has stacked the odds 
so much against us that our body's you know uh, defensive uh, capacity has been overrun, mm. and that's why I think so many of us are are sick. I mean, today if you make it to the age of forty, you have an eighty percent chance of of dying either from heart disease, cancer, or dementia, mm. and it's just. Uh, these are the, the leading causes of death now worldwide. It's just, it's a tragic and I think a, tra- a tragedy. And I think, you know, it's, we should do whatever we can to, to fight back. I don't know. You've pondered on death quite a bit. Yeah. What do you, how often do you think about death? Um, I think about it these days pretty frequently because, uh, cause my mom just passed and yeah, it's, um, there's no good explanation for why my mom, was as sick as she was other than just, you know, being in a toxic environment. So I have just become very vigilant and, um, yeah, it's a, it's an investigation that is probably going to last for the rest of my life. And, um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to develop what my mom developed. I don't want other people that I love to develop what my mom developed. And so, yeah. I realize that at the, at the end of the day, nobody but you has your back, you know? And if you're lucky, one of your loved ones has your back as well, like I did for my mom. But um, the medical industry doesn't have your back. Mm-mm. The food industrial complex doesn't have your back. Um, it's just, uh, it's sort of like the Hunger Games <laughs> out there. And, um, and so what I want to do is I just want to like provide information, not, you know, I mean, maybe advice to some, to some degree. I'm not like a, a medical doctor, obviously, but, um, but again, I think knowledge is power. And I think that, that this idea that you need to be like a doctor to know how to properly care for the human body, for your body, I think is, um, it's one of the reasons why we feel so disempowered when it comes to our health, Yeah, you know? I, I feel tremendously empowered. You know, the research is out there. We have the freaking internet. This is the first time in human history that all of the world's knowledge literally fits within your pocket and is a finger swipe away. Yeah. That, you know, I feel incredibly empowered. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to use those same tools to 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 help other people. And part of it is, is selfish because I know that the best way to learn is to teach. So... Do you ever stew on, on like, kind of like what you'd like to, like, legacy before you die or just what's the point of being here in the first place? And is that ever something that you kind of ponder on, like, before you, you kick the bucket? I don't know. I mean, I feel like life is kind of tragic, or at least my my experience of it so far. Um, and, and I'm privileged AF. Like, I'm very blessed. I grew up in New York City. There's a lot that I, uh, you know, am and should be grateful for, but, uh, but I don't know. I mean, like I'm, I'm pretty pissed that my mom was robbed from me at such a young age and and was so sick for so long. So I just want to, I want to help people. I want to, but you know, I'm not a martyr. I want to be happy too. I want to like, you know, be able to like afford the things that, that make me happy. Yeah. Um, I want to be able to like shop at the best supermarkets that I could afford. I want to be able to like drive the safest car that I could, that I can afford, you know? Um, I like to travel, so I want to do that. I think, yeah, legacy. I don't know. I just want to, I just want to be helpful and, uh, and provide value for people Hmm. and, um, and feel inspired and, 
you know, and, uh, and like I'm doing what it is that I'm, that what I'm meant to do, you know? Yeah. Somebody asked me yesterday, what makes me feel whole? And hmm. I was like, Oh, that's a really good question. You have a, what was your answer? Um, being truthful, being, um, connecting with people without fear. Hmm. That's like a big thing for me. Like, like those moments that I feel completely uninhibited and like I've had fear of, of, I mean, it's starting to be, feel like a bit more of like a story, uh, but like fear of abandonment. Now I've said enough times, I'm like, okay, I think I'm, <laughs> you know, like, okay, I get that. Like, re, you know, we're all, it's like re, recapitulation of the past. Yeah. You know, even the stories of, of the past, like it is this recapitulation, you know, the, whether that's exactly what happened, like, I don't fucking know. It's just that I keep on repeating it over and over again. So anyways, the abandonment thing starting to sound a little old, um, which is, I think that's good. That sounds valuable. Uh, but that's to me is makes me feel quite whole is having um, just dropping any type of restrictions from connection with I mean other people's is is obvious because it's like connecting with another person but then that's I think it's the same thing with connecting with yourself mm-hmm. you know so I've been I've been having these really cool experiences with, uh, through meditation recently where like getting past because I'm like fairly addicted to my cell phone you know and it's just like I think most of the times when I, when I have that sensation of reaching out and grabbing, it's like, really, I just want to hug, you know, I want to have like a tribe or I want to have a community. I want to actually be valuable, Mm -hmm. you know, but we have so much excess that it's like, okay, I can kind of just sit here and fuck, you know, we're in a more tribal environment. You always have it. Okay. We're building the fire. Okay. I'm going to take care of my neighbor's kid. Okay. I'm going to make some, you know, here like, Oh God, it's just, you can start spinning in, in excess. Yeah. It just like reduces the friction and the resistance to that, like dopamine hit, you know? Yeah. And it makes it, it makes it so easy. I have, I struggle with the same thing. I mean, I'm, I, uh, you know, I guess, yeah, I'm definitely addicted to like my technology at this point. I don't know many people. I mean, I think in LA it's different, but I don't know people that aren't. There's some people maybe are in denial about it. Yeah. But most people that I see when they have an idle time, they reach to grab their phone to see if anything happened. Yeah. I mean, I, I realize that I'm what I call like a wonder junkie. Like the minute I get uh, the a compulsion to Google something and to research something, like I'm on my phone, you know, like I'm, I, if I say a word that I want to make sure that I nailed the appropriate meaning of, I'm, I'm Googling like definitions, like, mm. you know, word, words are very, language is very important to me yeah. as a, as a science communicator. So like, I'm always like, looking up, uh, you know, word definitions and I'm, you know, spending time on PubMed and I'm just, yeah, without that, I mean, that's why you're so damn precocious. I mean, precocious (laughs) (laughs) that, I mean, yeah, I don't know if that, if I would, (laughs) maybe that's not the right usage. Does precocious mean that you're, you're, uh, like above your, you're beyond your time. Or do I mean, no yeah, problem. but I usually would. Uh, I like, think you are. You're precocious yeah. AF, dude. All right. You're goddamn. What Thanks. is your age? Uh, thirty six. Yeah. Can you be? Well, that's precocious, what I was wondering. Can you be precocious sure. at thirty six? Definitely. Okay. All yeah. right. Yeah, you're a smart guy. New York Times bestselling author. Yeah. Well, so funny? are you. Isn't I that mean, funny that title? New York Times bestseller. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Everything changed. I guess. I'm just. <laughs> the title doesn't really mean that much to me, but I, I for guess other people it does. Well, I guess I'm. I love it. I, I, it is a title. Like for somebody who doesn't ha- who doesn't really have any titles, professional titles. Yeah. It's a title, and it and it's like open doors certainly. Yeah. But for me, I'm just like the the most awesome thing about it is really that my book has gotten out there because I put a lot of work into it and I think it's, it's helped a lot of people. And so, yeah, yeah. I mean, 
I hope that the next book is as successful, but I'm not a, I wouldn't be. All right. So did the book make you feel whole? It did in a way because now I have a body of, of work. Like I have a thing that's out there that proves that, you know, that like I, uh, that I'm like adding something to the conversation. I'm not just like posting on Instagram all day or, you know, um, yeah, I'm very, I'm proud of the book, but I also, yeah, whole, I don't know. I mean, I I consider myself an artist too. So I, whether or not I feel whole changes hour to hour. Mm -hmm. Um, but those moments of like, Oh, like really just feeling completely at home. Yeah. You know, or feeling completely just like not a care in the world. Like, oh, this is pr- don't change anything about this moment. Like, does that... Yeah. I feel that way when I get feedback about my work and about the book. Like, when people recognize me and they come up to me and they tell me that, like... I mean, and this has happened uh, to an increasing degree, which is freaking amazing. But people come up to me and um, and I tell people, like, if you see me, come say hi, that that the book has really has changed their lives. It's changed the lives of their, of their parents, that their dads and moms are eating differently and better. And, yeah. um, and that to me means the world to me. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's a part of like the wholeness is feeling like you're connecting to like, you're giving back to the, the grander organism. Yeah. You know, it's if, like, you feel like, I don't know, like the Gaia model, like we're all one interacting organism, this earth thing. Yeah. You know, astronauts go to space and they look down and they have this like unicity sensation. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, whoa, okay. And the clouds are moving over here and the sun's coming over here. And now the, and it's like, okay, that's just one breathing organism. And yeah. then we get down and, whoosh, yeah. You know, and then it's like into your face, you know, looking into your cell phone or whatever. And we can get kind of wrapped up in, in me just behind this skin. Yeah. But that's, that starts, I think, it becomes disconnected. And if I you have that belief that it's just me behind the skin. Yeah. You're talking about the overview effect, I think. Yeah, it's, um, yeah. I mean, I think that's part of the human condition is that we're we're trapped into this uh, cycle of really being un- unable to see the forest for the trees. Mm-hmm. It's like this this perpetual like condition where we're just so in it in this like human struggle yeah. that uh, that you know the context of it all I think is sometimes hard to um, hard to observe, and that's why these astronauts they have such a rev, you know it's such a paradigm shift for them yeah have you ever seen the one, uh, one strange rock no will smith oh dude it's so good so one really? of the things that's really cool in there it gets into like he talks about he's narr will smith narrates it, and he's talking about uh these trees in the amazon and there's like this this consistent uh cloud this consist these consistent clouds that are like always passing over and it's like literally it's like a river in the sky and it kind of just break that down this beautiful visualization of the you know the water going up the roots and then up and then it, you see it coming out of the leaves and then it consistently goes up into the clouds and then it goes into this cloud river and then it crashes into the Andes mountains and then whoosh, rolls back down to the river wow. and then whoosh, back into the roots and then back into the whoosh. you know it's like it's it's just such a cool thing to see that you know we're like yeah fuck man it's like we think okay there's the river you know okay there's the cloud yeah there's the tree. You know, but the reality of it's just, it's always this, this, this mush. Yeah. You know, it's always, it's always, you know, that, that, that overview unicity thing. It's like, it's always happening. Yeah. And we kind of get, get tricked into thinking that we're alone, I think. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of. Well, I, that's the other thing is my, um, my book and everything, it feels so gratifying because it makes me feel that 
the tr- the tragedy that I experienced with my mom, you know, wasn't uh wasn't in vain really, you know, that it's yeah. it's it's she like my mom is in my work and so it helps me to kind of feel a little bit better. Um you know, you wouldn't help all the people you have had your mom no. not be the way that she Correct. is and was. Yeah, I'm I mean all my work is dedicated to my mom. Yeah. You know, it's um I I became we're sitting here having this conversation because of my mom. Like I uh I I started my career as a as a sort of generalist journalist at a uh, current TV which was Al Gore's TV network and I um after that job ended when I realized that my mom was starting to develop these these um cognitive problems I I mean, at first, I be, I just couldn't go back to work. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't even think about my career, let alone how to like navigate the shallow waters of Hollywood, which is what kind of, you know, I had done for the for the prior eight years. So, um, so yeah. So then I, I basically started to do the research, and I was talking to people about it, and I you know, it's, it was a, it was a process, but eventually I guess I was on a bunch of different podcasts and, um, I started putting out content into the world and, you know, always very, I had learned a lot as a journalist about communication and, you know, I was talking about before about my obsession with, with word choice, you know, so communicating science and being accurate and, and kind of striking that delicate balance between not being overly confident in the research that I was reporting on, but also kind of like leaving everything with a sort of hint of optimism, um, became something that I was very, that I just became really dedicated to and people picked up on it. Um, the Dr. Oz show saw some of my work, they had me on and it was, uh, I guess, you know, in retrospect, it was just like the perfect combination of being like the right person for the job being able to kind of synthesize all of this research that I was reading and present it in a way that was uh, not inaccessible, you know, because I think science and research and even, you know, a lot of the other sort of, even scientists that are out there in the world putting out content, like, I feel like they can be so robotic. And, you know, my vibe is, I I think, a little bit more approachable. And it's approachable because it's just who I am, but it's also by design. Like I want to actually help the people that need it the most, you know, not just the people, although I have love for them too, but like the, those that are following the LCHF paleo hashtags, you know, on Instagram or Twitter. Um, what is LCHF? Low carb, high fat. (laughs) Oh yeah. Um, when, how long is that going to last? Is that got like another like three years? What the fat, like the, just all the things like there's, everything's trend based. Yeah. I think, (laughs) well, I'm not saying it's bad. I think it's great. Like I, I had a bunch of bacon and eggs today. It was awesome. I felt great afterwards, but yeah, I think it's good. I think we're, I think eventually we're going to learn that certain types of fats are, um, more benign for some and, uh, perhaps more, um, you know, relevant in terms of health to others, you know, like for example, saturated fats. I think some people don't metabolize saturated fats as well as others. And we really are just kind of at the tip of the iceberg in terms of understanding who that person is. That's not going to benefit from throwing butter into their smoothies and their coffee. Right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, there, uh, I don't think that there's one size, there's no such thing as one size fits all diet. 
but what that what the ideal diet is for you that's going to take a little bit of experimentation you know yeah if there's anything good that's come out of the you know the obsession with bulletproof eating and low carb high fat it's that well we're no longer afraid of fat which is good because fat's essential um the question then becomes like what are the right kinds of fats for you and i think that the safest recommendation to make for anybody is that the healthiest fat is going to be extra virgin olive oil yeah that's my go-to yeah i douse it yeah okay. avocado oil is like a close second yeah, I got the, from Gundry. Gundry's yeah. like, everything's a vehicle for olive oil. I yeah. was like, I agree. After that, I got like my certification to just dump <laughs> olive oil and everything. Well, yeah, but then, but then again, I also don't even think, um, you know, and I, I uh, diverge from his thinking in that, you know, at the end of the day, oil is still not a particularly nutrient-dense food. It's, a, it's an extract from a food. Right. It's, a, it's as natural of a food as you can... Or as natural of an oil as you can get, right? Because humans have been making extra virgin olive oil for thousands of years. But I think something like 5,000 years, There's a, it goes back in the archaeological mm. record. But Because um, all you do is crush olives to make extra virgin olive oil. But still, it's like, um, it's still just like pure fat, you know? So it's very healthy. If I'm eating a salad, I'm putting extra virgin olive oil on it. But like this idea that we need to like slam oil and be you know drinking oil essentially i don't think is super smart yeah how have you um worked with grief you're talking about the the book what is the book called the five stages of grief What's on it? on death and dying on by death and dying yeah yeah but, what have you learned about the process of working with grief is oh man if I talk about that or like yeah about that? i mean no i haven't done a podcast i should though yeah but it's uh, okay to it's okay for me to be of course yeah cool yeah, I'm not an expert on grief. I uh, I definitely, at various times of the day, I feel disbelief. I feel, um, you know, if it's been a few hours since I've thought of my mom or if, I've, if I had had a particularly joyous day and I maybe hadn't thought about my mom, then when it comes to me, I feel guilt about having not thought about her. Um it's there's a lot of disbelief. I don't know what the what the stage, what the official term. That was the first stage. First stage, yeah. Denial. Denial. Yeah. Um, and the next one's anger. Yeah, I mean, because the thing is, what's so weird is that I can look on my iPhone and see HD beautiful photos and videos of my mom because I would like film my mom often. Yeah. And it's just so hard to believe that that person is not here anymore <laughs> and um yeah it's uh it's just it's it's horrible and anger i guess you know i feel angry because just at the whatever it was about the world that you know whatever it was about her environment that caused her to become so sick um you know, I mean, that's, that's something that I think about a lot. It's, uh, yeah, it's just horrible. I mean, I've learned, I've definitely learned a few lessons from the whole experience. You know, I guess one is that if you love somebody, let them know that you love them. Yeah. That's very important. It can be awkward. I can't tell you the last time I told my brothers that I love them, yeah, but I should. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not, the future is not guaranteed. Freaking fuselage from a jet can fall at any moment hit oh, me on the head, yeah. you know, like 
So tell the people that you love that you love them. Try to find a way to do it. Um, spend time around the people that you love. You know, that's one of the reasons why I moved back almost as soon as I could after my mom passed from New York to LA. Cause I missed my friends like you, like the whole community out here. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just didn't want to spend any more time away from my friends. And then my brothers are still in New York and, and selfishly I'm like trying to get them to move to LA, which I think is going to happen. Cause cool. I'm like, I want the family to be together. So it's made me feel more, more, uh, precious about life and time and, um, yeah, but, uh, but it's not, yeah, it's not, it's not easy. I don't really believe in an afterlife. So what do you think it is that makes one person more or less attached to a family member than another? I don't know. I mean, I, I was the first born. I was like my mom's the oldest of three. So I was always the closest with my mom and family's tough, you know, like it's, it can be stressful there, you know, there were times when I just, you know, didn't want to be in my mom's house because it was honestly kind of depressing to be there. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, trust me, I sacrificed a lot, which I would willingly do a thousand times over for my mom. Yeah. Um, but you know, there were, there were times when I just didn't feel like going over there or when I, you know, I, my mom hated whenever I would travel. She, 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 my mom loved being around me and my brothers and almost to a point of codependence. And as she was starting to get sick. Well, no, yeah. Well, for the past, for the past couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. She, the dementia, she knew that I would, that I needed to travel for my work. But, um, you know, I think the dementia made it more difficult for her to, control her emotions and to contextualize and so there were times when i would when i would be excited to be going on a trip to los angeles for a week or two weeks to see my friends and in front of me you know she would start crying Mm -hmm. thinking about me traveling and going away and that was really hard i mean that was super hard because i love my friends and you know my life in new york for the past five years in many ways was kind of like in a, in a bit of a holding pattern. Um, I was, you know, in New York, when I first moved back to New York, I lived in my mom's house. So I was uh, 32 living in my mom's house. Um, which, uh, you know, it's, it was in Manhattan, an apartment in Manhattan, not the most spacious. I had my own bedroom, but, um, I think I was dating somebody at the time in LA, you know, we broke up. I then ended up moving in with my little brother into a you know small apartment in the same building and you know most of the time in New York I would be I would spend time with my brothers who I love again but they're not like the same as you know my friends friends are the family that you choose I would end up spending most of my time with my brothers and my my social life basically took a back seat my dating life was non-existent and I'm not complaining. Like, again, I would make the same choices a thousand times again. But, um, but yeah, when I would book those trips to go to, to LA, it was like, okay, a reprieve from dementia and from, and all this stuff. And, and then, you know, and I would tell my mom and she would start crying and it was just, it was heartbreaking because, 
you know, I mean, I fucking love my mom more than anything. Like where we were so close and my mom was youthful, 58, you know, at the time, you know, she, she, she was 68, uh, 66 rather when she passed, but to see your mom cry and to know that you're the reason that she's crying. Yeah. Um, it's really hard, really, really hard, especially when their quality of life is her quality of life had already been compromised so much. The last thing you want to do is give them another reason to cry. What is your sense of, of death? Well, it's horrible. I think it's, um, is it horrible? Uh, well, dying happen, is horrible. It would probably be a lot more challenging for earth. Dying is horrible. Yeah. Death, I think is probably a relief. Um, especially if you, like my mom was not well for so long, mm-hmm. but dying is, especially because in this culture, we don't really talk about death and dying, mm-hmm. but it was for her, for my mom, it was painful. It was sad. It was, I mean, yeah, it was, um, it made me think about physician assisted suicide and, you know, whether or not I would want that for myself were I in my mom's shoes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's hard, man. I mean, thank God for the hospice nurses that we had because they were, I mean, they were like angels. What do you think about the release part of death? Like that's like, I've had experiences with, um, DMT, for example. Yeah. Um, where it felt as though, have you ever used anything like that? No. Okay. Um, so it felt during, do you talk about psychedelics at all? Not really. I mean, I'm like, uh, I know enough to kind of have like a cursory level, like a surface level conversation, but not my, not my wheelhouse. I mean, I'm, I'm interested in the research on how they're using like psilocybin at Hopkins to treat. Have you used psychedelics? Is that something you don't talk about on one podcast? I've, tri- I've tried so like low, like a small, like low dose uh, psilocybin. You know, it's been really, I, I believe psilocybin specifically has been shown to be really helpful in hospice care to, to help people gain a relationship with death. Hmm. Like huge, huge impact on um, just like the grace, you know, yeah. feeling like contentment, like, oh yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm going going home, you know, or going into the light or Well, you know what they you know, say it's like a release. They say that Aldous Huxley, you know, he wrote the Doors of yeah, Perception yeah, he, that he went out with a with an IV drip of yeah, LSD. Uh, LSD. Yeah. My favorite band of all time has a whole song about that. About uh, uh, that. Huxley's drip. Yeah. <laughs> the song is called TBD by by the band Live and it Oh, um, dude, it's the Love Live. Yeah, my favorite band. Because of things like this, like they wrote a song about Aldous Huxley. So as he was being fed this like IV drip of, of LSD, his wife sat by his bedside, by his deathbed, reading to him the Tibetan book of the dead, Mm. which is of course about the journey that the soul takes from the moment of death to, uh, to rebirth. Crazy. So anyway, but so, so the experience that I had with using, um, DMT, this was uh, 5-MeO DMT, so one from the toad. There's also the NN DMT, which is like a synthesized uh, version. But um, it felt as though I experienced like this release of the tensions of of having to occupy this body, you know, and fucking shave mm. your face and, you know, guard your heart and yeah. 
put deodorant on and pay yeah. taxes and think about messaging that person back <laughs> and all this. It's like, oh, oh, oh. Oh, yeah. And then compound that, like, be really sick <laughs> on top of that. It's a struggle. Oh, man. <laughs> and so it was a really interesting sensation to have this, like, it felt as though it just, like, oh. Like, imagine, like, a beautiful woman, like, dropping a rope, like, whew. Yeah. Oh, whoa. Hello. <laughs> but it felt like it was like the robe was like this covering, and then it's just like, whoosh, yeah, drop down. And it was almost as though I could like grab the robe off the ground in a way. I was like, oh, that's all my tension of my life, and all hmm. my protection, and all my, all my shit. Um, you know. But it was a, it was a fascinating experience just to get to like bear witness of that sensation of oh, this is what it would be to be like. I mean, it, it sounds way out there, but just to be light. Like it feels like as though like there's a, a quote from this, oh, it's a woman that died of cancer and she came back and one of the quotes, I don't remember her name, but she said that our life, it's like we're living in this huge warehouse and we all we have is this little flashlight to look around and then when you die, hmm. the lights come on in the warehouse and it felt a lot like that. Hmm. You know, it's like the tension of, of noodling around trying to find your keys with the flashlight. Like, oh, my God, yeah. Where's the keys? You're always trying to find the keys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get it. Life is hard. I get it. And I say this again, like, it's hard. I'm And I'm the most privileged fucking guy in the world. I'll be the first to say that, you know. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, no, it's hard for everybody. It's hard for everybody. And, um, and, that, and, and, and knowing that, being sensitive to that, I think as you are, as, as I have certainly become, it's, you know, I think it's going to make you a better leader, I think, and a better teacher ultimately, because, you know, you, you see behind the veil and, and everybody, everybody has their own struggle. And I think that's, uh, to be conscious of that and to be, I don't know. I just think it's going to make, um, it's yeah, I don't know. Do you feel like you have any fear of death with yourself? I don't I mean I don't want to get sick. Yeah. I you know, seeing what my mom went through I don't I'm not I mean if she went through it, I could go through it. I not that, I'm not saying that I want that for myself, but it's made me less afraid. Um, yeah. That's the thing. We don't know, like, when it's our time to go. I could develop exactly what my mom developed. And all of my, you know, eating organic kale and, you know, intermittent fasting and saunas, like, could, could, ha could ultimately be for naught, right? But I still think it's better to empower yourself, right? Um, and to protect yourself if you can. And I think it's, yeah, I think that makes it worthwhile. So the, 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 um, what's the difference between Alzheimer's and dementia? Dementia is the overarching umbrella yep. term for it. And then Alzheimer's is one of the yes. ones within that. Yep. Are there, what, are the, what are the other ones that, that fall under the dementia umbrella? You have Parkinson's. Well, so my mom ha didn't have Alzheimer's disease. She had another type in the, under the dementia category, there's frontotemporal dementia, there's Lewy body dementia, there's Alzheimer's disease dementia, there's Parkinson's disease dementia. Um, and then you can have medical conditions that, uh, you know, 
affect your cognition where you might have sort of like a pseudo dementia. I mean, depression is a good example. If you get, if you're, you know, depressed enough, it can affect your cognition to the point where, you know, you would have almost like a reversible dementia. It's not the same thing as Alzheimer's disease. You know, Alzheimer's disease is not reversible, but, um, that's why if you're having memory problems, I mean, the first thing that you want to do is is see a doctor, obviously. Do you think there could be any type of like, like baseline, kind of seed of maybe like uh some type of like psychosomatics like some people sometimes people relate certain cancers to something that was like an emotional yeah. issue do you think there could be some type of like withdrawal from something that could lead to a person to like want to forget huh it's a good question i don't know yeah i don't know i mean i think for many people i think that the cause of dementia is probably vascular you know like a uh related to vascular dysfunction you know and the conditions that would underlie for example heart disease i think in a susceptible person that creates dementia you know whether it's vascular dementia which is another type of dementia it's the second most common form of dementia or even alzheimer's disease where there's a breakdown of the blood-brain barrier um i uh so yeah, in terms of like psychosomatic causes, zero, you know, like evidence, I would not, um, yeah, right. but I, but I don't know. I mean, my mom, my mom had a lot of stress in her life. Stress, stress is a risk it's factor, a chronic stress. Thing, yeah, stress. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So if you have chronic yeah. stress, you like, we have so much control. Like we were talking about joking about whim and like you said, you had like the sniffles or whatever. I was like, God damn, whim can cure <laughs> You're right, whatever yeah. polio or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. <laughs> <laughs> what did he inject into him? He injected e. lipopolysaccharide or LPS, which is like a b- bacterial endotoxin. I was, I was I'm pretty polio. sure. <laughs> polio? No, it's not. Polio. I thought it was E. coli. Uh, did he inject E. coli? I think he... I might be making that up. But uh, anyway, yeah. so he's got a lot of control of his vascular system slash his, his immune systems. Right. Cytokines. He's a man. I've never met him, but... He's great. We f- we follow each other on uh, <laughs> on the gram. Um, Your alter egos know each other. Yeah, he's a he seems like a really cool guy. Yeah, but so I mean, it's it's I think it's very interesting how much control we actually have over our physiology and over ourselves. We do. Over we think our we brain do. Yeah. And, you know, it's like if you withdraw from your life, like it's like, you know, it's like if you if I told you right now, if you remember these five names tomorrow i'll give you a million bucks you'd be like done yeah you know if i said remember these five names and then we just move on you're like probably not right you got to be i mean incentive so it's that engagement with life i'm not relating this to dementia but just in general like there is it's those are kind of almost two separate analogies but i think it's interesting how much control we have over our physiology yeah that's that's the main thing yeah don't be a backseat driver in your own life the stakes are too high the stakes are too high take the wheel yeah and that's where I think all these all these little things, you know, whether it's like taking a cold shower on a regular basis or sauna, you know, sitting in the sauna or playing music with your bro. Playing music with your bro yeah, as we're ditch, doing. Ditch, ditch, we're doing. Ditch baritone ukulele session before this. It actually sounded reasonably fine. It was, yeah, we were good. <laughs> it was actually all right. Start a band. <laughs> we were done. I was like, this is happening. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, I think these are all meaningful things and... And yeah, that's it. Sometimes I, uh, you know, people take this nihilistic approach. Like you can't control anything, you know. So I'm just gonna like smoke fuck and drink all. my way. Fuck it all. Yeah. That's like, the thing is, you are controlling it. You're well, yeah, 
exactly. in that nihilistic you are, yeah. decision. Like totally. That's, that's your religion. Totally. I was thinking about this recently about religion, how we, I think we put these kind of like idols in place of like, I worship Krishna or Jesus or Buddha or whatever. Um, but meanwhile, that just occupies a, a fairly small space of most people's cognitive bandwidth. And then most of what we actually worship on a day-to-day basis is just the kind of idea I'm just kind of like, we're just toying with. But most of our, our true religion, I think, is the thing that we actually pray to, which for most people is like their goals, you know, so like their career or mm-hmm, their mm-hmm. financial goals or their, you know, whatever. Yeah. You know, we put these things like my religion, but like, I think our religion is just what you spend the most time thinking about. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I would say in a way, science is my religion. Like I'm, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty firm believer that, uh, science is going to have my back in, in some form or another, you know, um, hmm. I'm a believer in the power of connection and the power of music and the power of art and film. Yeah. Those are my, um, you know, I have like, I would say quasi religious experiences watching, you know, like a, a good movie or like my favorite movies, for example, or seeing my favorite bands in concert or, playing music or whatever, you know? And you have that connection. Yeah. Which is cool. You get to connect with the whole yeah. whole audience, the whole crowd. And you get that unicity yeah. kind of overview, astronaut effect thing. Yeah. I've definitely had like yeah, I would say like deep religious experience listening to certain bands or, you know, like not just me I'm not like a music generalist. Like I have like a small group of bands that I just am like, wow. You know, like wow, that that vocal was like transcendent. You know, and I get goosebumps, and I'm like, oh, this is probably what people go to church to get. You know, and they don't can't access it in their secular lives. Yeah. But do you know the first flute? We'll wrap up here soon because it's been it's it's, it's great doing the sonic because I have the official timer. <laughs> <laughs> I set it for 58 minutes, so we could stop anytime really. But the first flute, I think it was called the Djevbe flute djevbe d-j-e-v-b-e i believe and um it was found in i think it was a northern european country it was like forty thousand years ago and this is you know what it dates back to when it actually was you know who knows but um they they dated back to forty thousand years ago and it's like it's from the femur of a cave bear and they find this flute it's just fascinating to me that there was some dude 40 odd thousand years ago that felt compelled to hollow out this femur to be able to make sounds come out of it. Yeah. While he could have been like, you know, avoiding being eaten or tried to build shelter or tried to fornicate or whatever. He's like, I'm going to take this <laughs> femur and put some holes and blow and make sounds out of it. I think that there's some type of like deep biological medicinal value to music that we we think of music as being like like uh kind of like extra credit yeah bonus but i think there's some deeper oh some deep totally steven pinker kind of mocks mocks music actually he says what? It's, like, it's like evolutionary or it's like audio cheesecake he said it's 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 delicious but it's not necessary yeah fuck that <laughs> if you're listening pinker yeah i don't know why you would because you're far smarter than me but <laughs> no man well he's wrong he's wrong music is amazing i think music is a way to interface with the divine it always has been mm. it's uh it's powerful um 
And the act of, of creating music is powerful. I mean, just like being able to sing. Like, think about the fact that singing basically activates like your vagus nerve yeah. and stokes a parasympathetic way of being, you know? So there's actually a therapeutic benefit to singing. It literally tunes you. Yeah. Tunes your nervous system. It's amazing. Yeah. I love singing. I love singing, playing guitar. It's the best. Do you pay attention to your voice and the fact that you're always singing? Um, I do pay attention to my voice. Yeah. Cause I want to be, I always want to be a better singer. I'm very conscious of like, uh, you know, what good singing is. And I wish I was a better singer. Like I've, I taught myself to sing and I've come a long way, but, um, I think that's the beautiful thing about music is that it's like, uh, it's this lifelong journey. You could always learn more, be better. And, um, and yeah, so I'm always trying, I'm always like practicing and yeah. 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 There's a guy, and then we really will, will wrap up. Um, do you know Stephen Porges? You're familiar with him at all? Polyvagal theory. He's yeah, I know his th son actually. Oh, really? Seth Porges. Yeah, he's a really smart guy. Where's he at? In is New York. Oh, all right. I don't know. He gave me the book that his dad wrote, and I Polyvagal never theory. read it. It's but pretty thick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but well, I mean, it's not like huge, but it's like dense with information, hmm. you know. Um, but he came up with a thing called uh, the Safe Sound Project (SSP). Hmm. And it's used for kids with like ADHD and like anxiety, I think even like depression and different kind of like cognitive disorders. Hmm. They use sound, you know, they listen to these different frequencies of sound to literally like you you said, or I, you know, we both said like kind of like retune, reharmonize their nervous system. Mm -hmm. And you hear that when like if you play, so you play music. So if you're playing with musicians that are better than you or whatever, you get better. You're like, oh shit, like, oh yeah, yeah. like we getting some. And you play with people that are worse. You're like, oh, I'm leading it. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't yeah, I'm yeah. not sure about this. And so that's happening all the time. Is we're listening to different tones, frequencies. Mm. It will, you know, literally affect the way that we think and the way that we feel. Wow, so cool. Pretty freaking cool. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, um, thanks for sitting in the sauna dude thanks for having me anytime I, I appreciate it seriously next time i promise i'll go in the cold plunge oh yeah cold plunge. <laughs> yeah um where should people people should obviously get genius foods pick up genius foods um it's probably the best investment i think you can make in your in the health of your brain and body um find me on instagram at max lugavir and i host my own podcast actually which you were on one of my favorite episodes mm -hmm. called that, the man. genius life genius life cool yeah. um yeah i actually agree with your nutritional stuff which is great not that that like you need that my my validation by any means but that's like well you're a smart guy i, I mean i appreciate that in the nutritional realm i just kind of am more like intuitive i don't really know what's going on but i everything that you have in there i'm like yes 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 that's pretty much what's in my fridge for the most part too epic love to hear that so and that's why you're in such fucking good shape man every time i see you you get more and more jacked i pretty much look exactly the same each time you see me but i appreciate that's that. not true <laughs> no, dude. you're like the hulk but like in a in a svelte kind yeah, of like looks I'm good like in a, clothes way like a ballet dancing hulk yeah it's like a lesser whatever you're doing keep it up i don't know if it's genius foods or what but i don't know what i think it's, I think it's uh the cold plunge helps yeah just getting cold surfing it's all the shit like that's the thing is people and we actually have to wrap up but i think that people get wrapped up with this perfect recipe of like okay i did all the and i got this book and i'm following the it's like i think one joy like you need joy in your life you know, if you don't start with that baseline foundation of like, I genuinely derive joy from the shit that I'm doing mm -hmm. at a cellular level, your body's like, what are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> it's like martyring yourself in the name of some bullshit food that doesn't actually make you like, make you be like 
carpe diem, like yeah. I'm over here. Yeah. I think that's an issue. And then the other thing, like finding fitness and find, you know, that you actually derive joy from finding relationships that you actually, it doesn't feel like it's this artificial kind of plane that you're on. It actually feels like you can root into that and feel supported. Yeah. If you feel supported, then you're not going to have that inflammatory response and from my perspective. Yeah. Good you point. Know, of like defense. Yeah. Anyways. Word. Thanks for having me. Thank you, brother. You're the man. Appreciate it. Over Peace. and out. Thank you all so much for tuning into that conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I am super excited to present to you guys the Align Method online program, which focuses on unwinding some of the deleterious effects of essentially staring into technology. So forward head posture, rolled forward shoulders, and just general collapsey postural patterns. And also gets into a movement guide and how to integrate better movement into your life. Uh, so you can check that out at alignpodcast.com slash align method, A-L-I-G-N podcast.com slash align method, or you can find it at the Instagram page, align podcast in the bio. Thank you to the folks that have grabbed the align band, heavy duty resistance band with a door anchor and a free video guide that goes with it. So you can actually just access the free video guide if you want, uh, just to get resistance band exercise in general. It's at alignband.com, A-L-I-G-N band.com. All right. Thanks guys so much for tuning in. Appreciate you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Pow.